Welcome to Launched. I'm Charlie Chapman, and today I'm excited to bring you the developer behind the cooking app Pestle, Will Bishop. Something I'm noticing uh, right off the bat here is it doesn't look like in the webcam that I can see and nobody else can see. It doesn't look like you're in a van right now, unless... Unless that's like the largest <laughs> van I've ever seen. No, no, I'm not. No, the van's sitting out the front of my house, unregistered at the moment. Um, I'm back from that trip. Yeah, I did six weeks at the start of the year, um, six or seven weeks driving up to Queensland, which is kind of like the equivalent of almost of driving from like Texas to New York, I think. It's a pretty long drive. Oh, my goodness. Wow. I always forget how big Australia is. That could be totally wrong, but I'm just thinking my state's SA. Nope. It's committed to audio. Uh, every- oh, goodness. <laughs> Everybody uh, send your messages to Will it's Bishop. Lo- it's a long drive. <laughs> I put it, put it that way. It's a long drive. Yeah, we did that at the start of the year, me and my girlfriend. Uh, we actually got stuck in Queensland for a little bit as we got- monumental flooding oh no okay fun fun little trip but no i'm back from that now back in my uh, my home office which is my sister's room that she moved out of and i've converted so i guess everybody already sort of got an answer to the second question i usually ask to kick things off but uh we'll we'll go ahead and do all of them and i'll let you say it formally here so uh before we get into your app pestle which i've learned uh is is pestle not pestle like i the uh, dumb american uh, would have said. I don't know if that's an American thing. Probably all the Americans are like, nobody else says that. It's just you. But I hear it from a lot of people. I don't know. I should have picked an easier name. <laughs> well, luckily, it's not really a requirement for people to use it to pronounce it correctly. That's true. So the three questions I ask everybody is, where are you from? Do you have a formal education related to what you do now? And then we can talk about your career kind of leading up to Pestle. Sure. So, I'm from Adelaide, Australia, which is a it's a capital city in the state of South Australia. Though if you ask the other cities in Australia, they probably don't think we matter. Uh, we're not, we're <laughs> oh. not quite as big as Melbourne. Yeah, there's a bit of like intercity rivalry uh, because we're comparatively small. I don't have a formal education. I started making apps when I was- uh, I, thought I, I think I started learning when I was 15, put my first app out at 16 and then- Straight after finishing high school, I got a job with a Canadian startup and, yeah, just kept kept it going. Uh, so, I don't have a career kind of leading up to this. It's kind of just been the only thing. Well, okay. I guess you sort of just uh, said two of the, the big hits there, but let's like roll that back. You said you had your first app at 16. Was that- No, it wasn't Chirp. Nano was my first Apple Watch app that I made- because I was bored in school assemblies. Like, I would sit there. They weren't talking about me because I wasn't a studious kid. I wasn't sporty. So, these assemblies, they never mentioned me. And we weren't allowed on our phones. But I had this Apple Watch and I thought, I really like Reddit. I, I just want to sit on Reddit. Uh, and so, that's kind of how that came about. And then, uh, I made some apps before that. I made that, that never made it out. I made an app called, actually, I won't, I won't say what I called it because it was a code name kind of relating to a where I live. But uh-huh. I made an app for my school because the uh, school website was shocking and I wanted to see what uh, what classes I had, what grades had come out, uh, and I built an app for that. And that was kind of how I taught myself iOS. Okay, cool. And that, that would have been- I mean, that was pre-Swift UI era, right? I'm trying to like place Oh, yeah. This. That was- that was, um, 
that was UI kit, but I was using the storyboard, so I didn't have too much direct interaction with UI kit. Okay. I didn't start really doing programmatic layout until I was, yeah, at that startup after finishing school. And even then, that was like Swift UI with a tiny bit of UI kit. Um, and then Pestle, which I'm sure we'll get into later, is a lot more of the older style of programming. It's not very heavy into Swift UI. So you had like that little personal app that you made and then and then you made the Reddit Apple Watch app. Was that one publicly released? That was publicly released. Um that I'd, I'd forgive you for not knowing. It didn't get much acclaim. Uh I sent like I, I didn't know what I was doing, you know, like I, I made this app and I put it on Reddit and people seemed really interested. So I made like a test flight and I went through that whole process. And I submitted this beta for an app. I didn't know what I was doing, but I had two people, uh, Tyler and Simon, if you're listening, hello, two people who were like game to test from day one all the time. They was like so committed. It was amazing. And then I released the app and it got like a little bit of attention on Reddit, but kind of nothing major. And I thought, all right, well, now I'm going to email journalists. Like I'm doing everything in the wrong order. I'm emailing journalists months after release. And I emailed like 22 or 23 journalists all but one ignored me and peter cow from nine to five mac responded to my email and that's kind of kick-started everything really because that's what got me my first bit of traction which gave me a bit of money which gave me you know the opportunity to build other things so it, yeah kind of all traces back to one one nine to five mac article strong like support for the idea of just sending out a whole bunch of uh requests to lots of different journalists obviously being kind and understanding that they're getting lots of these but oh yeah you've got to try and it's it's kind of a crappy feeling uh because you know that most people aren't going to engage at all and yeah so it it kind of feels no and the emails were terrible too they were way too long ah yeah yeah i didn't know how to talk to them i wrote like four paragraphs of my app and like shocker no one read it (laughs) you know now i send an email out and i might send it to four or five journalists and i can be pretty sure that almost all of them are going to get back to me in some form. They might not say, they might say, you know, we don't have, you know, a slot for sure. this moment, but thanks for keeping us, you know, considered, like email us again. But that's something that comes once you have that sort of rapport and reputation and uh, relationships yeah. built up. But yeah, to get started, you almost do just have to <laughs> keep on trying and be okay with being ignored for a little while. Yeah. So after the the Reddit app then... The next one I know about is Chirp. This is the Twitter app for Apple Watch. Is that the next thing you built? It was the next thing I built and I didn't even want to build it. It was one of those things like I didn't use Twitter. I only used Reddit and people were saying, oh, we want a Twitter app for the Apple Watch. Twitter got rid of theirs. And I was against the idea because I didn't use Twitter. So, I didn't really know what I would be building. And eventually enough people asked that I thought, all right, bugger it. I'll give it a shot. 11 days later, I released Chirp on the App Store. Like, it was just come home every day from, you know, as soon as I got home to as soon as I went to bed, just working all night uh, for 11 days straight. And then, yeah, Chirp came out to an immediately bigger reaction than Nano. Not just because I knew who to talk to now, but it just had a much wider appeal and it took off. And within probably a day, it was bigger than Nano and continues to be. Was that in the like wake of because they're whenever the apple watch first came out everybody sort of rushed to it like everybody did when apple came Mm. out with a new platform for a while there and then Mm. it was like there was a time when it seemed like all of the different major apps kind of fell that didn't necessarily uh 
care as much about the the Apple Watch. And so Twitter had an official app at one point, right? Well, they, yeah, they they were on stage or they were part of the announcement of the Apple Watch. Okay, um, okay. That original that original announcement was like all your favorite apps are already there. Twitter's already there, and then a couple years later, Twitter was gone, and it kind of left this gap. And yeah, I kind of stepped in. I mean, my app from launch did more than the Twitter app did mm. uh, when it was out. That I find strange because I'm just like one person making an app and Twitter has- Well, it was probably kind of a checkbox feature, right? Where from their perspective, they're like, we need to say we have an app because we have some business partnership, but it didn't have the- yeah, exactly. Uh, the sort of care and attention that a single person who's trying to make a really good crafted experience uh, would necessarily come up with. Yeah, and it was the same thing. So, it was I think it was Twitter and Tinder and maybe Starbucks and a couple of other big name apps- were all on stage saying we've got apps for the Apple Watch, or at least Tim was saying that there's an app for it or something. Yeah, they all fell away over the coming years. But but Chirp was in. Uh, I built that in 2018, so it was still a year before SwiftUI, okay. and kind yeah. of a year or a year or two into yeah the demise of WatchKit and and everyone sort of fleeing the platform. And you were still in high school at this point. I was. I was in year 11. So, I, so in Australia, we have um, like 12 years of schooling. So, okay. I was in year 11, um, still with a bit of time to go. And I just neglected all my schoolwork and just started putting these apps. Yeah. Like, what was that like? It was uh, really weird. <laughs> that would be a really weird feeling. <laughs> it, was, well, it's so, it was so weird because I went from, you know, not being mentioned at assemblies because I wasn't studious or sporty to all of a sudden being mentioned at assemblies because I was building apps and kind of making a name for myself. It was bizarre. And I had I like I had to leave class sometimes to go get my photo taken because a photographer needed to get a shot for his article on me and I had to like step out or, or take phone calls or I'd step out and say, sorry, I gotta call Apple right now and like <laughs> started wearing a suit to school and a briefcase and yeah. I've got important <laughs> business things to do. Sorry, teacher. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was certainly weird. My teachers were very accommodating. They 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 sort of understood, um, and they didn't press me to do the work too much. Like, I mean, obviously, I had to do it, had to get it done, but they weren't too fussed on when I did it. <laughs> like, if they walked past in class and I was on App Store Connect or iTunes Connect, they didn't really care. Um, so the, yeah, they, they were they were very accompany. Um, what's the word? Company accommodating. Accommodating. That's it. Yes, thank you. <laughs> Wasn't very good at English. Um, yeah, no, they're all good, and it was a strange experience, but it was it was certainly very fun. Was that was that just like a paid up front app, or how did that work as far as business model? Well, so they were free, and they had a pay what you want model, so you could pay anywhere from I think two to eight dollars for Nano and Chirp, and that was like. Whether you paid two, whether you paid eight, you got everything. And that was directly inspired, I think, by Apollo, which did that or probably still does that. And you can sort of pay what you want. And I figured, well, I'm in high school. I don't have rent. I don't have a car. I don't really have any bills. I don't need the money, but I want to build this thing because it's fun. And then the money was like this kind of nice thing that I was like, oh, wow, there's actually like, there's money here. And I think on my first, after the 9 to 5 Mac article came out, I think that day I bought myself some AirPods, even though nice. <laughs> you don't get your money until like 60 days later on the app store. I, I bought AirPods that day because I'd, I'd made enough money and I was, I was nervous that I wasn't going to cover the you know $150 a year Apple membership. Yeah. And then I was able to cover that and buy some AirPods. I was beyond chuffed. 
That is that's awesome. Is is Chirp still is it still a product in your lineup, as they say? Is it still in the app store, <laughs> uh still being used by people? It's still my most downloaded app. It isn't like every day. It's not the most profitable app that sure. I make, or profitable is probably the wrong word. Like Pestle makes more money than it. People still get Chirp every day. The biggest market for it is actually Japan by like a long oh, shot. Oh, interesting. Uh, or a long margin, big margin. Goodness, I'm my, my speaking is totally off. Uh, and that's because I localized the app in Japanese. I got a Japanese native speaker to translate every string in the app. And that had a massive impact on, you know, the, the downloads in Japan. They went up overnight and I've just stayed there. Before localization and after localization, there was a there was a noticeable big, you know, jump there. Yeah, massive. What made you choose Japanese? Why well, did heaps of languages? So chirps oh, okay, in okay. I think I think chirps in twelve or fifteen languages or something. That was one of those things where like the demand to localize it was there as thousands of people were downloading chirp, wanting it in their language. I thought, all right, well, I'm not fast, but if you want it. You can do the work. And I, I set up a, there's like a platform called OneSky where you upload all your strings and people can go in and localize it on their own. Uh, so, I don't have okay. to ask for someone to do Japanese, but a Japanese speaker can come in and spend, you know, five, ten minutes localizing it. Someone else can come in, do the rest of it. And I put it on Twitter and I like put the call out and over, you know, a few months, uh, a bunch of languages got localized, but it did add such an overhead to development that now it's like, well, I can't release any new features until I get the localization done. Yep, but exactly. Uh, so, that's why I, I've, I've held off with my other apps. Pestle is only in English and I have no plans to change that just because the localization process is such a pain. Yeah, that's interesting that you say that because I've often heard that part of the story. I mean, I've localized for like my jobby job stuff, but obviously everything's slower in jobby job world. Uh, but in yeah. indie world, I, I've not like jumped into that yet. And the stories I hear from most people is that it's a lot of work and they haven't noticed big gains from it. Yeah. I only notice gains in Japan. Yeah. And I wonder if that's, you know, there there's something specific about that market and the use of the Apple Watch or, or use of Twitter or whatever that causes that uh, to be a big unlock there. It's like, I don't know how you would do the work to know that ahead of time. I guess you could have looked at yeah. requests or downloads from there initially or something. But yeah, it's kind of interesting. Yeah, I'm not sure what it is about Japan that they really like Chirp. I didn't know there was a big um, Japanese Twitter user base, uh, which I mean, I don't know if that's naive, but yeah, they really like Chirp. Chirp can continues to be yeah, a product in my lineup. <laughs> I've actually got to do the work now to do the series on oh, no, a series eight screens the same size as the seven. I'll have to update it for the ultra. But other than that, it's pretty it's pretty low maintenance. That app. We can we can cut this if you don't really want to talk about this. But is is something with chirp related to how you have like over a hundred thousand followers on <laughs> on Twitter? Yeah. So that, that I mean, yeah, yeah, that's funny. Uh, when I release chirp, there's a there's a little button when you sign up that just says, "Do you want to follow me on Twitter?" Like it doesn't. There's no automatic follow yeah, it's not like or anything forcing like that. It or something. You, no, you just click no. But like enough people click yes, and and so yeah, I went from yeah, 200 followers or 50 followers, whatever I had at the start, to yeah, 110, <laughs> 115,000, whatever it is now, which is so weird. And it doesn't, you know, it's not real because they didn't follow me for me. So it's not right. like it's not like I have 110,000 indie developers following me. 
it's a low engagement uh, group or something like that. Does that have an impact on anything? Like, I don't know. I could see that being having negatives possibly, but I guess if people don't like what you're saying, they would just unfollow you. Yeah, I got a headphone company to send me free headphones once because I think they saw the follow account and were like, oh, we should, we should send something to this guy. But, you know, besides that, there's no real downsides and there's certainly benefits in terms of, yeah, you have a bit more influence, I guess. But I don't know. I don't use it. I don't use the this platform for anything other than complaining about Apple APIs mainly. <laughs> uh, that's funny. You're You're in high school. You have this Twitter app that kind of took off, which is really awesome where did you go from there did you did you do any other projects while you're still in high school or did you graduate and think what do i do now so after about six months of chirp being out and working on chirp i was kind of like i just wanted to do something else i didn't know what i wanted to build but i want i knew i wanted to build something and so i built my no my most uh, niche app yet another apple watch app but for wikipedia and I built a, like, full Wikipedia client in, in true, like, my style of building the full thing. Wikipedia app for the Apple Watch. And it was actually, like, pretty neat. I called it MiniWiki. It was it was a bit of fun. It's still a product in my lineup. And it had, like, a near me feature. So, you can click on that and see articles written about stuff within a kilometer of you. Which was oh. just kind of- It was just kind of fun. Yeah. And, you know, it got a fair bit of attention. And it still makes, like, you know, $2, $3 a week- uh, so like n- almost nothing, but it's you know it's fun. People like it still. A couple decades, and you could buy another pair of head- uh, AirPods. Yeah, exactly. I haven't updated it in so long, but it was just a fun little project. And then I released that at the start of year twelve. So then throughout year twelve, given that it was my last year at school, and I didn't know what I was doing after school, whether I needed a good final score to get into uni, I didn't do a whole lot in year twelve. I went to WWDC, which was pretty wild but other than that year 12 was sort of quieter and on the app development front and then where did you go from there did you think i want to do this full time i want to join a company well so i applied for uni i applied to do computer science and i was kind of annoyed because uh, so my my state has three universities and there's one that's like quite north one that's quite south and then one in the middle both the north and north and south are you know a bit far away, but the uni that was central and most accessible wouldn't accept me into their computer science course because I hadn't done the higher level of maths when I was at school. I needed the general level of maths, so they wouldn't let me in there. So I applied for the one that was up a bit north, and I got in, but I. I wanted to do a mid-year entry. I wanted to have six months off. So, in Australia, we finished school. We finished year 12 in October or November, I believe. And so, I was going to do a mid-year entry the next year. But then, I saw a tweet. Like, I just opened Twitter one day and I saw a tweet saying that a company called UserCamp was hiring for jobs to work on Penbook. And I didn't even own an iPad, but I was like- Hell yeah, I'll do that. They were like, we want SwiftUI experience. I'd just rewritten parts of Chirp and SwiftUI in the previous six months. So, I thought, I've got as much ex- as experience as anyone else. And I applied for this job and I did an interview and then I got it. And they emailed me. They're like, yeah, we want you to start and here's the offer. And so, I thought, oh, all right. Well, all right. I guess I'll, I guess I'll do this. It's like, you know, this is my first job and I applied. They knew I'd never had a job before. And I applied, got it, started with them, 
and I deferred my uni for a year. So, I was going to start middle of 2021. And then I was with user camp for just over a year. And then I left user camp and I went, did a bit of traveling and I just didn't really want to go to uni. I thought I really want to make this indie thing work. I, I really, I really want this to work. And so, I did, you know, I did a one month contract uh, at a startup called Strides. I left there and I thought, right, I'm on my own again. I don't want to keep working on Chirp, Nano and Mini Wiki. I want them to stay around, but I, I want something new. And so, it seemed like for me throughout 2020, 2021, the world's locked down. It seems my parents are the only ones who are able to travel anywhere somehow. They, they time those border closures perfectly. And so, I was at home cooking for myself for the first time, really. And I quickly found that I only knew how to make like dried pasta and sauce from a jar. You know, that scared me. And I thought, oh, man, I don't want to grow up not knowing how to cook anything. And so, I set out to just learn to cook. And I very quickly found that like, recipe websites were annoying. When I got more confident and started substituting things or, or changing things up, like I didn't have a place to store those changes. So, I thought, well, there's, a, there's an app. There's got to be a market for an app for this. And, you know, sure enough, there already was. And there was plenty of recipe apps on the, on the app store. And I tried them all. None of them scratched the itch properly. And so, I started building Pestle. What was, was there a specific, like, I just want an app that will do X, Y, Z? Or was it more like, well, this one does this thing that I like, and this one does this thing that I like, but it doesn't do, you know, the opposite or whatever. And like, eventually you're like, you know what, yeah. I just want to build one that fits my personality perfectly. Yeah, it was a bit like that. So, I tried Paprika and I found the design was very dated and it, it you know, rarely got updated. Um it seems like paprika was for a very long time just the answer. I mean, I don't I don't yes. know the story behind them or anything at all, but it it definitely feels like as it didn't change, a hole slowly grew in the market and all of a sudden there's been a bunch of really good cooking yeah. apps uh, recently. Yeah, and so when that came out, so so I so, sorry, I tried uh paprika didn't like the design. It was dated. I tried a few other apps, even ones by like indie developers that I'm friends with and their apps are great. They just weren't quite right for me. And because I already wanted to build something, I thought, well, I guess I'll build a cooking app. And I didn't really know what I was doing, um, but I just sort of set out to learn. And I built Pestle with a focus on like, you know, being able to get a recipe in really easily having a pow powerful recipe editor, which is what prompted me kind of in the beginning to look for any of these apps is being able to change things. And then I built like a cooking mode, which means that you know, every recipe, you only have to look at one step at a time. You don't have to get overwhelmed. And it just kind of holds your hand through that cooking process. And then I was, I was making a shortbread with my grandma and my hands are really messy. And I thought if I was using Pesto right now, I'd be so annoyed because I'd be getting my screen covered in butter and crumbs. And I thought I need to be able to control Pestle without touching it. And so, I'd use the like voice recognition. So, you can say next or back or mm, ingredients yeah, yeah. and, uh, you know, built things out that way. So, it, it, it was a very, you know, organic development sort of cycle because it came out of me wanting to make something finding what I wanted to make. And then over the course of six months while I was actively cooking, 
realizing what I would need in an app to fulfill all of my own requirements and then finding that other people would want it as well. Nice. So it sounds like, you know, this app, unlike the other ones, had a sort of explicit goal of being a business, so to speak. Like, you want this to be a, mm. a project that can, you know, fund your existence. And that sounds bleak. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I know. So Goodness. what were sort of the things that you came into this or were there things that you came into this differently in terms of like, were you thinking of a business model up front or thinking of the market would want versus just what would be cool or anything like that? Yeah. So, I mean, it, it was certainly the first app that I came into thinking, well, if I'm going to make this for other people, I'm going to need a business model which can sustain me. And so, Pestle is the only cooking app really that I've seen that uses subscriptions currently. Most of them are paid up front one-time things. And I've heard from other developers saying like, even for them, it's just not sustainable because people pay $10, $5 once. Two years time, you want to come out with a new feature, you want to give it to this person, but they haven't contributed in such a long time that it, it, it's you have to constantly be selling. Whereas right. for me, I can you know acquire a customer base- uh, and just keep selling to the same customers and they keep paying and I keep giving them new things and it's a much more sustainable thing. And so, you know, you, you have a lot of people who give you flack for using subscriptions, but they're not really the people you want as customers anyway. Because I can, I can say plenty of people are happy with Pestle subscriptions. I think they get their money's worth. And there are features in Pestle that actually necessitate a subscription because Pestle has servers and it has ongoing costs. Going into it, the business model was like, all right, Create something that doesn't need infinite growth for a start because it, you can't infinitely infinitely sustain growth. And then, you know, create features which, are, you know, actually require a subscription. So, people know that you're not just kind of stringing them along. You're creating stuff which uses it. And so, everyone's happy. I'm happy building for customers that are you know, always telling me, you know, either how much they hate something or how much they love something, which is, you know, both helpful feedback. And it works for me as well because I don't have to focus on just infinite growth. I can focus on growing to a point that I'm happy with and then I can kind of relax. I'm interested in, you said, you know, re you require servers right now. And something that stood out to hmm. me when I first tried it is, is that it has a login. Like, you, you know, whenever you first open the app, it yeah. prompts you to use, you know, you have a uh, sign in with Apple, sign in with Google or just create one. And for a lot of indie apps uh, nowadays, like it, it almost threw me off seeing that come from not a, a company. What What's the sort of reasoning for that? How did that come about? Truthfully, if I was to do this again, I wouldn't do that. And that was <laughs> only because I didn't know that because I chose not to use CloudKit for a start. I chose not to use CloudKit because I'd seen so many complaints from so many developers on how unreliable it was and you don't have really any control. And I thought, that's not really what I want. I want something that's reliable, at least. So, I went with Firebase for the backend. And so, Firebase, you need to have accounts. And I, when I built it, didn't know that they have a thing called anonymous accounts, which you can sync with the iCloud keychain mm. to all of your Apple devices to create that Apple-like no login on all your devices. Everything's their experience. So, if I built Pestle again, that's what I'd do. But because I needed an account for a person, I thought, well, I guess they have to make an account then. Uh, and so, I, yeah, built that sign up screen. Uh, and it hasn't really 
I don't think it's been too big of an impact for people. I'd really love to move away from it, but there are some blockers um, with Firebase that stop me from doing that. I would essentially have to have every user re-sign in, which I'm not going to do because that user experience is awful. So, until they fix that a bit stuck, but as soon as they do, yeah, I'll drop accounts as soon as I can. I mean, I guess, you know, it- it does give you the option of uh, cross-platform in the future, you know, if you don't want. That's the thing as well, is is I want Pezzle to eventually be on other platforms and an account makes that so much easier than going, yeah. oh, you got to convert your account from your anonymous Apple one to a thing. Like, at the moment, it's just, all right, click sign in with Apple, click sign in with Google. All your stuff's going to be there. Like, that is a selling point in its own. Okay. So, you said you worked on this for six months. Like as you're, you know, you're yep. cooking, learning cooking and learning, uh, building a, a cooking app at the same time. What what kind of work did you do leading up to the launch to make it a big launch? I'm assuming you uh, reached out to, you know, the journalists that you already had relationships with, like you you discussed earlier. But yeah. was there any other things that you did, you know, based on lessons you've learned over time? Oh, certainly. Uh, well, I mean, the biggest I actually made a mistake. So I sent out my journalist emails. And then after a week, I'd heard nothing, not a single word from any of them. And I thought, oh, goodness, this is bad. <laughs> like, I've got this launch coming up next Friday and it's a week out and I've heard from nobody. And so, I messaged some of them on Twitter and I was like, hey, just checking you got my email. And they said, no, I can't see anything in my inbox. So, I discovered my email provider just was getting bounced from oh, no. everyone's inbox for some reason. I didn't know why. They just weren't appearing. That was the first thing is I had to then go to my Gmail and send resend out all these journalist emails saying, hey, apologies if you've already had this, <laughs> but you know, here's, here it is again. Uh, so, I sent out all those journalist emails. I prepared a press kit and the website and got everything ready to make their jobs as easy as possible. I gave them a story, which I find is something that a lot of indie developers miss is that, you know, journalists are there to tell a story. They're not there to advertise your app. So, you have to give them- something to talk about other than just saying pestles out now you have to tell them why you made it how you built it what your inspiration was that's what they want to write about and at the end they can put a link to your app it's i think people going going oh this journalist is going to want to advertise for me like of course yeah they, are. they have so many stories they can tell like a lot of times too i think people will send you know a big list of all the features that something can mm. provide um and that doesn't yeah. make for a super compelling i mean Depending, you know, that could theoretically be something unique enough to be worth being a story. But for the most part, uh, Twitter app having a thousand features isn't necessarily something. But a Twitter app having one hook, like it's available on the Apple Watch, for example, uh, that's the type of thing that's worth writing about. And so, yeah, trying to find what that hook is. Yeah, easier said than done. It can but. be it can be difficult. Yeah. It's it can be difficult to find what the selling point is, especially with an app like Pestle where it's not the only app that can save recipes from the internet. It's not the only app that can guide you through the cooking process. And it's not the only app that like does all these different things. Um, but it is the only app that does all of them. And so trying to sell that is tricky because on its own it doesn't look like it's particularly unique. But you know, when you put it all together, you go, Oh, there's actually a complete package. So Trying to find that was a bit tricky, but I found it and I sent it out. And then uh, then the journalist responded once I used my Gmail, I actually heard back from them. So, I had that set up. I had a Reddit post scheduled. So, because I'm in Australia, 
every time I've launched an app, it's been about two in the morning, two, three oh, a.m. Yeah, is yeah. when my, <laughs> you know, that's when my app launches, right? Uh, and so trying to make it land in the US is tricky. So I use a website called uh, Reddit Later or, or Later Later for Reddit or something like that, and that lets you schedule posts. And so I go to the Apple subreddit uh, on a on their self promo day, and I schedule my post for like two or three in the morning, which doesn't necessarily mean it's going to go up at that time because the moderators approve everything there, and you know it sits in the queue for a bit. But I know it's going to launch while I'm asleep. And then I do the same thing with Twitter. I schedule a tweet to go out to say, hey, my, you know, my new app's out. Man, how do you go to sleep? <laughs> that feels so stressful. I know, it's terrible. It gets worse. Then I use an automation so that when my post goes out on Reddit, it uh, as soon as that happens, it goes and gets posted to Twitter to say, hey, can you go and support me over on Reddit? So, it's like all these linked automations going on at the same time. Uh, to Gosh. almost create this facade that I'm awake at two in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> it's like trying to go to bed on Christmas night, except- It is. You have, you know, a Rube Goldberg machine that's going to open the chimney on time for Santa. And if it doesn't go- Yeah, except Christmas could go horribly wrong. <laughs> yeah, if it doesn't open in time, then you get no presents. Like, uh, I don't think I could sleep with that. That's that's crazy. It's tricky. And, you know, like, I have some sleeping- problems anyway so i'm often up at two in the morning or four in the morning which means i kind of wake up and can respond to a few comments before going back to bed i can sort of get a little like pulse on it and see if everything's going okay and if it is i'll happily you know fall back asleep because everything's going fine uh so yeah i I do you know journalist emails and then i schedule everything so that i don't have to hit a button it's done the app's launching and the time's set did you do that with pestle because you have account yeah. creation and stuff, right? So, there's there's servers that theoretically could fall down. Well, because it's hosted on Firebase, yeah, Google kind of handle all of it for me. But I had everything, yeah, everything set up in Firebase, all my security rules, everything ready to go. Yeah, I just, just let it go at two or three in the morning. All the articles went out and some were- more positive than others. Nine to five macro is like very supportive, but TechCrunch, the, the same woman has written every article about me on TechCrunch and she is uh, a journalist in the truest sense in that she asks you a lot of questions and some of them aren't always like, they're not fluff paced questions. You know, she'll ask you things like, how do you feel about the recipe authors? Like, how do you think they would feel knowing that their recipe is being copied into your app? And how do you handle that relationship so she's asking you real questions that actually matter so her articles all of them on me are always very detailed she refers to me as bishop whenever i give a quote you know like proper (laughs) article stuff fancy yeah it's fancy it is yeah but (laughs) yeah and so you know she's she's great though she i i love reading her articles because they're really long they're very detailed they're not fluff piece things they're an article you know talking about the good side and the bad side of what anything does. So, what do you think? I mean, this show should be a fluff piece, maybe, but uh, I'm just <laughs> I curious can now. You what- to a TechCrunch article. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm just curious. What do you think about that? It, it, we don't have to get into it if you yeah. don't want to, but I'm just curious. Uh, no, I, I can get into it uh, a bit. It was, it was certainly at the front of my mind when I was developing because I didn't want Pestle to just be this thing that just takes. You know, I wanted it to be something that can support the author as well. And so, the, the way I made that work in Pestle is, you know, 
the vast majority of recipes that are imported are imported from Safari on their website. So, you've already searched for them on Google. Right. You've clicked on their link to improve their ranking. You've loaded the ads on their page. And then you've added it to Pestle. So, you've already helped them out by just how you'd visit their page anyway. Yeah, because ultimately, most people are writing it down on a note card, right? That would be the same conceptual piece. That, and yeah, conceptually, it's like the same thing as like hitting print, you know? Yeah, yeah. You've saved it to Pestle. Once you finish cooking, uh, I prompt you to go back to the original website, leave a review. You know, that- Oh, really? Load their page again. Oh, that's load cool. Load their ads again. So, I do that. And then if you share the recipe, it creates a Pestle link. And because most people in the world don't use Pestle, that Pestle link is going to go straight back to their original website again. If you send it to your mum or your dad and they don't use Pestle or they have an Android or you tweet it and your followers click on the link, that's going to take them to the original person's website again. So, I feel like I've sort of done like the most I can do in, in terms of supporting individual creators. Yeah. I mean, that feels- I mean, for one, it feels thoughtful. Like, you know, you did think through those scenarios. I actually had written down, I was going to yeah. ask about the share after you finish mm. doing a recipe just because I thought that was neat and I was curious- what your thinking was there. Um, obviously, part of that, it sounds like, is sending people back to the, you know, original recipe authors, but... Yeah, supporting the author. And also, you know, it promotes Pestle as yeah. well. People see a Pestle link. They want to see what that is. If you share... So, the only thing that, like, will not direct you to the original website is if you've created an original recipe in Pestle. Sure. Because there is no original website. So, if you open that, then you'll get just, like, a Pestle page online that says, open this recipe in Pestle with a link to the App Store. That's kind of it. But yeah, the, the the idea is like sharing your creations on Instagram and on Facebook. Like there's just buttons for that. You click that button and it takes you to their thing. Uh, and I've built that all privacy in mind. There's no SDKs uh, from Instagram or Facebook or anyone for that matter. It's like all deep link stuff on iOS. So, you know, I'm not tracking mm -hmm. you. They're not tracking you while you use Pestle. And that was really important to me as well as the privacy side of things. Like for analytics, I use telemetry deck. So, all of your analytics are private. Uh, I can't trace them back to an individual user and I don't want to. I try and support the creator as much as I can. And then if they get annoyed, uh, I, feel like I've, I feel like I've done everything I can. I mean, honestly, you, you thought through that deeper than uh, I've ever thought through that. Because, yeah, in my head, it's, yeah, it's interesting. Because I know that there's been people who've made like um, plugins for browsers that strip away, well, strip away ads, but like also are specific for for recipe sites and those have been controversial and I sort of understood that, but I never really thought about the like recipe apps. Cause I guess in my head, that's the same as me hitting print, taking a screenshot, just what half of mine are if they don't end up in a recipe app uh, or in like Apple notes or something like that. So I, f I found it a pretty analogous to print and you know, no one's complaining about someone printing your recipe off. And if you print from Pestle, it includes a link back to the original page as well. If you print it to give it to someone, it says from wherever. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. So, you're using the like print APIs and stuff. Yeah. Okay. So, you've built this out um, over this time. You've, you know, emailed the press, done as much as you can. How did the... Well, you scheduled all of your scheduled things and then you went to sleep. What did you wake up to, mm. I guess, is really what I'm asking. How'd the launch go? Yeah. The waking up was pretty crazy because the reddit post had actually been deleted yeah the nine to five mac article hadn't gone out the TechCrunch article hadn't gone out and so launch day was rather depressing <laughs> because 
on launch day, nothing worked. And I got it because I hadn't launched a thing on Reddit in years. Like I hadn't, it just hadn't, I hadn't had a reason to, I hadn't had a big update, I hadn't done it. And I didn't know they'd changed their rules. It was no longer self-promo Saturday, it was self-promo Sunday. So, I posted a whole day early. Reddit has always been an interesting, uh, controversial it area is. because, I mean, I get it. I get that there's a lot of people on there, but it seems like as far as the self-promotion things go, they do everything they can to make everybody angry, which I'm sure is not an accurate reading, but- No, it's not far off. It feels like it always makes people mad. Yeah, they they um, they can be angry. And so, that was, that was something to consider is like, I'm launching an app with subscriptions on the Apple subreddit, the biggest hater of subscriptions ah, on the internet. Yeah. How do I make this a good sell for them? Uh, and so, I ended up doing a $5 lifetime sale, which kind of shot myself in the foot because I got a lot of people buying that and now I just have to support them forever, which is, you know, that's on me. I sold it for five bucks. I will stay true to my word and I will support the $5 lifetime tier forever. Launch day was, was rather depressing because nothing worked. Reddit had- they changed the day. They had new rules regarding engagement. You had to be active on the subreddit before you could promote yeah. your app, uh, which caught me out. They said, not only has your app like been removed because you posted it a day early, you haven't posted a comment here in months. And I said, all right, well, if I am active before next week, can I post it next <laughs> week? And, and, and they said, so long as your engagement is organic and not like five spam comments right before you, know, you post, then fine. So, I did- Throughout the week, I was just on the subreddit. Anything I could find, something that I could contribute anything to, like I was engaging in that discussion. Uh, and then I posted it the next Sunday. So, that was Monday morning for me that I posted it because I also have to think, when are people going on Reddit? When do I want to make this post? So, I aim for, I think, around 8, 8 a.m. Uh, East Co- uh, West Coast time. And then that's like- 11 o'clock-ish, I think, uh, on the West Coast. And so, my thinking is, all right, so people are waking up, they're getting ready, they'll go on their phone, they'll check Reddit, or they're at work and uh, by the time they go on their lunch break, the post's been up for an hour, maybe got a bit of traction, they'll see it then. So, that was my thinking in terms of like, when, what time do I post it? So, I, I see so many people post on Reddit, the worst time they get like six upvotes and go, why didn't my app get any attention? It's like, well, everyone's asleep. No one's like- <laughs> it's. It's a Reddit, like Reddit is a US website. Yeah. Most people who use it are from the US. Uh, Apple is a US company and most people who are on the Apple subreddit are from the US. So, you need to constantly be thinking about that and tailoring everything to them. And so, yeah, Pestle's launch took over a week. Uh, it's supposed to be one big day, but it was very spread out, which kind of helped uh, because that initial Reddit post went really well. People received it. Like, it, it was really well received. Uh, and that kind of- I think that's carried over to now when I put out an update and I post and I don't do any sales and I've doubled the price since then. No one complains about the subscription because there is at least a lifetime option as expensive as it is. That's always what they say is like, oh, I wouldn't mind if there was a lifetime option. Then you add a lifetime option into half them. They go, oh, but that's too expensive. Well, hmm. um, but no, it was well received on Reddit. It went well. But it was it was a rather slow launch. From that point on, then has it continued to grow? Has it gotten like the the user base that you were kind of hoping for? Like, how do you how are you feeling? How many months on is this at this point? Like about six, six or seven. Okay, six months. It has you know a pretty healthy monthly active user base. 
the annual recurring revenue has just crossed a milestone. I won't say which. <laughs> um, not a big one, but a milestone. Um, look, it's not making enough money yet for me to live on or to move out. But, you know, it's only been six months. And what right. business makes any money in the first six months? You know, most of them go under. Well, and especially a subscription-based business. That is that is a slow growth. Yeah, it's a different kind of model. Yeah. So, I, I doubled the prices in July to coincide with the launch of households. So, now it's $2 a month, $20 a year, $40 for lifetime. Um, which I recognize is, is an expensive lifetime price, but I feel like the $2 a month, it's cheaper than a cookbook it, over the span of a year, you know, and it's full of recipes that you actually like instead of like a cookbook where you skip half the pages. Yeah, it's growing. It's certainly growing. And I have no plans to uh, you know, rapidly shift my attention to something else to because Pestle's not working. Pestle is working. It's just, you know, it's slow. But with iOS 16 coming out- um, there's a lot that's new in Pestle, uh, and I'm hoping to yeah get some more traction off that. Yeah, we were we were talking about this a little bit uh, before recording. A little inside baseball. These these are recorded a little farther ahead <laughs> of time than normal, um, and so we are what like a day out from the uh, the Apple keynote, and so both of us yeah. I think have been in the throes of uh, trying to get iOS 16 updates through App Review and figure out what's going on with that and. Uh, so what, what, I'm still stuck inside. Yeah, Apple you're <laughs> you're you're stuck. Uh, which I've been there yeah. before, and that is not a fun feeling. Uh, mine seemed it, to slip through for some reason this year. So I'm thinking <laughs> thinking the uh, the Apple gods. But so what what do you have for iOS 16 then? I I assume well not I assume I've seen plenty of tweets, uh, exciting tweets of uh, the dynamic island, everybody's favorite new feature. Yeah, um, and live activities that kind of go with that. Sure. Yeah. So live activities is one that like. I can't wait to ship, but I can't because Apple haven't launched it yet for some <laughs> reason. Uh, and and as, as well with the Dynamic Island stuff, um, you know, they've ripped out the live activities API from Xcode. It's not in the Xcode release. If you go to the documentation, it's a page not found error. Like they've oh, wow. scrubbed okay. it. It's, so, you can't build for it at the moment, which is so annoying. But, you know- that's Apple's way. Um, so, yeah, dynamic island stuff, I'm going to support. I tweeted some concept images of that. Um, so, that's coming. That's, that's you know, live activities in Pestle from the beta period I've worked on. They're awesome. They're coming. Uh, but what's actually coming as soon as Apple approve it is uh, Siri shortcuts support. So, with the new app intent system. Uh, shared with you support, which I'm really excited about. Um, and then a lock screen widget for your meal plan. Nice. Um, so, the app intent stuff is it can save a recipe from any URL, you can create folders, uh, add recipes to folders, manage your meal plan. Um, there's heaps of stuff you can do with it. And I've actually kind of like put a call out to people to show me what you build with it because I've, I've got a section in Pestle now where I can highlight user-created shortcuts and show what the community's made. And some of my favorite shortcuts are- if the weather is less than 12 degrees Celsius, which is like around 50, 55 Fahrenheit, uh, it'll search your cookbook for recipes with chocolate in it. That's <laughs> just like, you know, it's just like a fun little shortcut. I, I love the possibility of like putting a little NFC sticker in your kitchen. And if you tap your phone to it, it can just pick a random recipe for you. Uh, there's one where you can search your cookbook by ingredients. So, if you have something that's about to go off, you can say, I've got this. What do I have in my cookbook that has this in it? Uh, so, there's lots of um, lots of things coming um, with the app intensism that I'm really keen for. And then 
shared with you was kind of the one I was most excited about because uh, as they were talking about SharePlay, Pestle was in the keynote, which I freaked out about. Uh, and then they announced shared with you. And so, now when someone texts you a link to a recipe from Pestle, that's just going to be in Pestle next time you open it. It'll just It's like magically in your cookbook already, um, which I find really cool. So, yeah, my, my awesome. girlfriend sends me a recipe. I open Pestle. They've got the little shared with you icon on the top and you click on that and it shows you everything that's been shared with you via iMessage. So, yeah, those are the kind of- Those are the main iOS 16 updates coming out and um, now I can turn my attention to Catalyst. Ooh, all right. Well, that's, mm. a, that's, a, that's a nice teaser to, to end things off. So, before I let you go though, I need to, need to ask you the question that, that I ask everybody to end the show, which is- uh, What's a person or people out there that have inspired you that you'd recommend others check out? I got to say Christian Selig, um, Apollo <laughs> for Reddit developer. He's fantastic. Uh, and I'm going to absolutely, bu- uh, before I try and um, before I try someone's name that I'm going to butcher, uh, Steve Trouton-Smith. He has been fantastic while I have been working on Catalyst stuff. I was about to say, once you get into Catalyst, that's going to be especially necessary to, to follow him. Now, let me read this name out. I'm going to... So, Emmanuel, I can get the first bit of it start, um, correct. Emmanuel, I think it's French. So, it's going to be like... Oh, no. Cuvier. I should know this. I've had him on here and he told me how to pronounce it. I met him at WWDC this year. Is it is it Crevisier? Oh, I'm... I'm so sorry. I, yeah, I can't remember specifically. I remember it was not what I had been reading internally in my head. And so, I'm afraid to try and say it. Right. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm going to, yeah, nominate those. Those three are my inspirations at the minute. They've both uh, been, you know, they've been helpful. Christian's just been like always fantastic for the last five years that I've been doing this stuff. He's always been you know, responsive and, and helpful. Uh, Emmanuel throughout the uh, iOS 16 beta period has just been incredible. He's been so helpful to me. Uh, he's been testing everything I put out. He's answered all of my app intense questions. He's just been uh, fantastic. And I'll, I'll have him in the show notes too, but he makes he's the one who makes card pointers and is just sort of yes, exploded yeah, yeah. on the scene, I feel like, as a ridiculously helpful resource on Twitter for everything, it seems like. Yeah. And you know, that's like, I want to be that resource for people as well. I want people to reach out to my DMs and ask for questions or ask for help with things because I want to be able to you know, be that person to someone. Selfishly, I want someone to say that I'm their inspiration when they come and launched. Right. It's yeah, this is not altruism. It's it's literally just because you want your name read out in a podcast. <laughs> yeah. I want someone to go, Will, Will's my inspiration. Yes, it was all worth it. <laughs> now I can stop. Yeah, I'm, I quit today. <laughs> Oh man. All right. I am going to I'm going to let you go and this is this is the first late night recording I've had uh since coming back and uh you know what? I feel very awake. Uh so I guess you're you've been very entertaining at least to me. Thank you. But before before I let you go, uh where can people find you and your work? So you can find me on Twitter. I'm at will r bishop. Um just like the letter r will r bishop on the app store if you search for will bishop you'll find my apps if you search for pestle you'll find my cooking app which i think you'll love not knowing anything about the listener i'm sure you'll love pestle because it's a great app uh and you'll love it especially uh by the time this goes out with the ios 16 updates you're gonna love it thanks for listening this episode was edited by jonathan ruiz if you'd like to discuss the show you can find me on twitter at underscore chucky c or tweet the show directly at launched.fm. I'd really appreciate a rating or review in your podcast app of choice. And you can find show notes and more at launched.fm 
www.thepowerbrokers.com.